Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire here to talk UFC Ottawa. A main event is Al Ayakinta taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone here to break down everything DraftKings. Somebody is listening to themselves on loop. I'm going to call out Chris. His new haircut has him completely thrown off his game. Guys, let if you're watching live, let all the comments pour in. The hair is gone. He has listened to the people. And the first thing I said when I saw him was, you are going to get crucified. So absolutely let it fly as we break down UFC Ottawa from bottom to top. Talking all things DraftKings. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, the analyst who one of my reference earlier, it is Chris Olson, and Joe also goes by Sun Tzu. Guys, are you ready for this card that I think is underrated and is actually going to be a solid fight card? Wow. I got to know if Chris, was it Comanche, Apache, or Cherokee? Because you, you definitely got scalped. I uh, you know I I'm I'm like I'm one one extreme or the other. It's all either really long or really short, and uh, you know without without all the hair on my head, maybe I can use a little more brain power. So yeah, but I mean, why don't you try shaving your face? Because then you won't get like biscuit crumbs in your and your no, you know. No, no, no. This no. is very don't clean. get rid of the beard. Don't get rid of the beard. The Keep it trim. Secret is to wash it with shampoo. It's nice yeah. and soft. Okay. Well, I I don't necessarily feel Sean that this card is. Underrated. I think it's a calculated move by the UFC note, knowing that, you know, the fans in Canada are so rabid for MMA that they'll, you know, they will sell out a shit card, which is, is likely what the case is here. And you think this is a shit card? I, I don't, I, I, maybe I shit is a look, I, I think the Russian card was better than this card. On I, I don't know. We got Ayakinta Cowboy. I like, okay, I love that fight. fight. I love that fight. Virgo Swanson is fun. I Not love that. I will, I love watching, but you got some Billy. questionable guys. Call, you got some questionable calls. I'll give you call the heavyweight off. fight. I don't think it's very either the heavyweight fight. You know, I like the heavyweight great. fight for DraftKings, though. You know, which is well, that's be different. I'm yeah. talking from a card, yeah, from um, a card perspective. I, I don't, I I don't like, know that you could get it. Let's put it this way I don't know that you could get away with this card in the U.S. I mean, I, you, I think in you Canada, could, you could. It's it, it's a solid fight night card. I think ah. I think the main card is pretty solid. I think, I think I, I, Sean. I think if they threw this card up in Greenville, South Carolina, um, they wouldn't sell out. <laughs> mm, 
you know? This is a because it's a Canada card. Because the Cowboy maybe. Well, the yeah, Canada, well, they're, they're Canadians are such Canadians. good fans. They're such good fans, the Canadians. I mean, there's a lot to love about Canada. I might move there. I'm waiting for the punchline, but I don't think we're going to no, get there. No, there is no punchline. I mean, fresh water, clean air. Um, you know, it's it, nice people. I mean, I like it. There are worse places. Our, our, yeah. our, our guy Gravy Cakes is Canadian, isn't he? Yeah, he's a Montreal Canadian, though. That's kind of a separate part of the country. Nah. But, yeah, no, Gravy Cakes, yeah. Got a lot of good people up there. Win Cowboy, Paul and, um, you know, Paul and uh, Cody. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good Canadians. I will say, in general, and not just Canadians, because go, Everyone, I think there are two types of people. There are one, the guy, the people who just enjoyed that banter to start this podcast, and the second type of person who's going, hurry the hell up, get to the fights. <laughs> I'm the second. If, if you are number two, you got to give me one more second. Make sure everyone goes to rotowire.com slash free, 10 day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. We record this episode. Friday nights on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Jump in live chat if you're there already. Shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. You you could be listening to the replay of this on iTunes. If you want to subscribe for future listens, Rotowire MMA, and make sure to join us on Friday night. As I mentioned, that's enough of the intro. I'll even forgo the usual Twitter plugs because I want to talk about Mitch Gagnon at 8,500, talking about uh, taking on Cole Smith at 7,700. Right off the bat, we have some odds value. Mitch Gagnon, minus 110. Cole Smith, plus 100. Joe, who you got? Wow. Um, look, I, as much as I, I hate to, to be an odds value whore, I um, will be taking the odds value here. Gagnon has fought once in five years. We need um, we need the odds value. Very yeah. rapidly. I mean, do you there's, know, do you know who right. has had a fight more recently? And I'm stealing this from Ronda Rousey. Yeah, that's yeah, best fight picks. I saw that tweet earlier in the in the yeah. week from Daniel Levy. And I, I mean, you know, like this that. guy has fought once in five years. Like, why is he even coming back? Apparently, he's got other things going on in his life. Um, look at the guys he he beat. I mean, yes, he put up some good numbers against them, but I don't believe any of them are still in the UFC. Guys that he's actually had victories against. Um, I'm going to go with Smith here for odds value. Um, although the caveat here is. He's going to be really highly owned because the odds value players out there, the pure odds value players are going to be all over this guy um, because of his price point and, and the, the betting line value. So, um, you know, be wary of very high ownership on Smith. Smith also will be the larger fighter. He will probably look to grapple. Chris, does he get it done here? Well, if, uh, yeah, he will certainly look to grapple. I mean, I mean, basically that's what he is. He's a very relentless wrestler. I don't know if he's a very good wrestler, from what I see. And certainly, I'm not an expert wrestler, but you know, we've watched a lot of guys wrestle. We we kind of know what works and what doesn't at this point from watching the best do it. And what I see from him is, you know, his posture gets broken very quickly. He um he doesn't really you know get his hips into the takedown a lot. I mean, he is relentless with it, as I said. So I expect him to be really popular. Not only does he have odds value, but you know, people love wrestlers for good reason, and he's going to try to wrestle. Um, I think that Gagnon is going to be good enough to stuff his takedowns, and I think that Gagnon could outgrapple him if it gets if it gets there, and I think it will get there. Um, I see this fight ending um, with a Gagnon submission. Uh, he's also pretty quick on his feet, pretty light on his feet. He's got a good counter uh, left hook that dropped um, – Matthew Lopez in their last fight uh, that was two years ago now, but um, yeah, I, I just I just sort of see Cole Smith as like as a dedicated but not great wrestler grappler, and I think Gagnon is going to beat him there and come away with the sub. All right, next up, Juan Adams, eighty three hundred, taking on Aryan Bular at seventy nine hundred. My boy Juan Adams minus one thirty. I love him in this matchup. Bular plus one twenty. Chris, do you like Juan Adams as much as I do? Um, you guys have to help me because I I don't really get why people hate Ariane Buller so much. Um, I do. I, I no, I, I, I do too. You remember how we got Oma Plata? You don't get Oma Plata in the okay. USA. You don't okay. do it. That was that was a rookie mistake, and 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 we're okay. past. Are we? And his striking. It's, I'm pretty sure you could piece him up on the what feet. Do you, what do you mean? He's got good striking. Bullshit. What? <laughs> He's no. got he's got good head movement. He's, he's he showed a little bit of improvement in the last fight. No, he doesn't. He's flat footed. Of course he, no. No, he's, he's not. not. Yes, he, 
Go watch. Aryan Bular striking is horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Wait, does, does Aryan Bular actually not strike? I don't think I've ever seen him throw. Huh? Like, he's he's flat footed. No, he's got a he's got a decent jab. He's got a he's got a power. Yep. Oh my god. Okay, guys. Um, he's a, go watch he's a grappler. He made a little bit of improvement. Maybe he's he a grappler, but he's not a he's not a terrible boxer for the division. I said that in his last fight, and everybody made fun of me. And then he won the fight. Basically, he outstruck. Uh, he outstruck Gome, basically. But that's oh, that's that's nice. Wait. Okay. What are we talking? We're talking about heavyweight, Sean. And here we're talking He's not about a good striker. If you were gonna tell me he could take Juan Adams down and lay on him, I would give you that. No I, way. I'm probably that too. But not I'm just saying. Uh, okay. Well, here nor there. Um. Well, well, we'll get to it, I guess. Juan Adams actually has a decent jab himself. My problem is that uh, Juan Adams is um, very susceptible to takedowns, uh, despite being a former college wrestler. Not only that, but he gasses horribly in the second round of that fight against um, uh, Chris Delaroche's, uh, Zach Delaroche's cousin Chris. Uh, he gassed so hard that uh, he could barely walk forward in the second round. The only reason that it didn't end in him being uh, stopped was because Delaroche was just as much, if not more, tired. Arjun Buller looks like he's got pretty decent cardio. Um, and so I can't pick Juan Adams here just because I think that um, uh, Arjun Buller can beat him by outlasting him. I think he's got other advantages too. I think he is going to have a striking advantage. He's definitely going to have a speed advantage. I don't think we're, anybody's going to contest me on that, at least I hope. Um, I, think that he, I think that he's um, the better control grappler. I think that um, – we saw we've, we see a lot of controlled time in his fights. Uh, Sean called it lay and pray, but I mean whatever gets it done. And and I think DraftKings though. Well, no, but I mean it's gonna it's gonna tire out a guy like this, and it, it could very well lead to a finish. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Arjun is the dog in this fight anyway. So seventy nine. So it's not like we need we need a ton of scoring here in the win. But um, yeah, no, I think Arjun Buller is a much more put together fighter. I think uh, Juan Adams is. Promising, but um, still with a lot of holes, glaring holes. So I'm taking Buller. Joe, talk some sense into your boy. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think Adams is the better wrestler or the more acclaimed wrestler. He's had over 100 D1 matches. Um, mm -hmm. Arjun Buller is the the Canadian Commonwealth champion, um, which is very interesting because, uh, you know, Cody Safrick and Paul Shaughnessy struggled to come up with a name of who the second best wrestler in um, Canadian MMA is. So that kind of just gives you a sense of, you know, the acclaimed Canadian wrestlers um, in MMA. Um, I'm not, I'm not overly impressed with the win against Gom. Gom is, is got a lot of work to do um, before he, he even thinks about coming to the UFC again. Um, I like uh, Adam's training. Um, you know, I like that he's working on improving. He's in a much better camp. Um, I also, I think, you know, if you want narrative here, Arjun, I think is more interested in promoting, um, seek, seeks members of the Sikh community in sports mm -hmm. and less about MMA. And I think that, you know, you know, Ryan's MMA and, and, and pizza camp that he belongs to is, is not really getting him all that much better. Um, so I, I like Adams here, although I will say a GPP play. Um, high ceiling, low floor type of play. I'm not going to have much Arjun. Can can somebody at least acknowledge that um, Juan Adams looked like he was going to fall over about eight minutes into the fight? Oh, he did not look good. I agree. He gassed, but he could absolutely finish Bular quick. And maybe now he has gas issues before, and this is not something I'm. St I'm st he claims it was due to um, car uh, adrenaline dump. I'm not sure I buy that. Quite honestly, I think he needs to finish in the first. Round and a half, but I, I think he gets it. Anyway, Matt Sales, 9,100, taking on Kyle Nelson at 7,100. Matt Sales, minus 235, coming off of a really fun fight that I thought he looked really good in despite losing against, um, not Sergio, somebody help me out, Shaman Marais. Yep. The last time out where he won the third round, Marais faded. Um, you will have to hear 20 times how he trains with Dominic Cruz. You're going to hear that. Just prepare yourselves. He takes on Kyle Nelson, plus 215, who actually looked okay in a loss his last time out against Diego Ferreira, making his UFC debut on a short notice. Two guys who showed a little bit of promise despite losing in their last fight. 
Chris, start us off. Uh, yeah, you know, I see a lot of people um, down on Kyle Nelson, and I get it. But, um, you know, there's not a lot to him as a fighter. I'll say that. What, what, he, what he basically looks to do is he, he likes to use that team kick from range a lot that we saw um, actually hurt uh, Diego Fajaya in their fight. And he likes to get into the pocket and sort of throw uh, big hooks. Uh, he's got a pretty good top game, although he's not a wrestler. So if, if the fight goes to the ground, it's probably not going to be on his terms, at least initially. Um, and Matt Sales, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really 100% sold on him. I mean, he's got uh, good, clean, powerful striking. But what, what, I, what I really don't like about him here is I think he has problems when he gets backed up. Uh, we saw that in the Marais fight. Now, I'm obviously not comparing Kyle Nelson to uh, Marais, but I think that um, with the nonstop pressure that uh, that uh, Nelson's going to put on, um, you know, I don't think Sales is much of a counterfighter. Uh, Sales is the more wrestler. If, some, if somebody go, does go for a takedown, I think it's probably going to be Sales. And uh, Kyle Nelson doesn't really defend takedowns because he likes to work submissions, so that could work against him. But I don't know. This is tough for me. Like, I, I could, I could definitely um, – I see Kyle Nelson, you know, just sort of overwhelming him um, with strikes. I do think Sales is probably the more put-together fighter, probably the more defensively responsible fighter. Um, I, you know, I just haven't seen enough from Sales. I'm going to go with Nelson for the upset here. Joe? Okay, so a lot of narrative around this fight, and I, I encourage everyone to – the best narrative on this fight by far is, is uh, offered by, by Cody Safrick. Um, Dogger Pass podcast. So um, when I first saw the salaries come out, I actually, you know, thought about Kyle Nelson a lot. And then um, I got the narrative because, you know, again, he did look good in that first round um, against uh, CDF. Um, apparently, um, and, and Cody Safrick, if you want bona fides, you know, is a matchmaker in Canadian regional MMA. So he knows. Apparently this guy, Kyle Nelson, is extremely cautious on what fights he takes, uh, even on the Canadian regional scene. Like he likes to keep his record um, clean. He doesn't want to take any fights that put him in danger. Um, he doesn't fight all that often. As a result, he even took a kickboxing fight um, because there was there was no MMA fights that he wanted, and he got he got starched. Um, he lives in BFE, Canada. Um, has to travel a, a long distance to train. Um, has a day day job, um, you know. So there's a lot of narrative around this fight. Now, sales, on the other hand, you know, you Sean said that you thought he looked impressive. Watch the fight with the vote with the narrative off, because for whatever reason, these guys were talking him up like he was the second coming of Max Holloway. Um, I don't know why. Um, you know, maybe because of the Dominic Cruz connection. Um, I thought he looked okay. Um, I certainly don't think he's the second coming of Max Holloway. However, um, James Lynch, again, more narrative, who I also respect greatly, thinks this is going to be a very easy fight for Max Sales. And for that reason alone, I will add some ownership percentage to Sales in, in uh, mass entry. But I don't see him making his way into my primary lineup. So I'm going to take Sales to win the fight um, just based on all the narrative. Um but I would have a, I would definitely have um, some shares in Nelson, but I'm going to be higher weight on sales. All right, let's go. Nordine Taleb, 9,300, taking taking on Kyle Propolek at 6,900. Taleb minus 355. Propolek plus 320. I think Joe is going to tell us that Taleb is better, but he's old. He's 37. Does the old guy get it done, Joe? Okay, so I, I really would have loved to see this Sayar fight uh, against. Nordine, but you know, one thing about Sayar is that he is constantly injured. His entire career has been plagued by injury. So here you go. You've got, you know, 37-year-old Nordine who is um, coming off a couple of losses. Um, I believe is a tri-star guy, Canadian fighter. Um couple finishes me, being finished. Yeah, this to me is a layup for him, right? Now, depending on what where you get your data from. He's going to have anywhere from a four to six inch height advantage um, in this fight. Um, he, you know, I've not yet seen the ceremonial weigh-ins, but um, he should look like the much bigger fighter here. Um, UFC apparently likes him um, and are just is just kind of offering up Pro Propiac as as sort of a layup for him, saying, "Look, 
Nordine, if you want to continue to fight in the UFC at your age, um, you need to not only beat this guy, but you need to beat him the short notice replacement. You need to beat him impressively. So for that reason alone, I'm, I'm upping my ownership in mass entry to Nordine. I'm picking Nordine to win the fight. Chris. So um, in his last fight, um, Profilek um, beat uh, UFC veteran Cody Pfister. One, one and three, Cody Pfister. Uh, well, UFC veteran Cody Pfister. But, it, I mean, it was a super weird fight. I think uh, Pfister took it on uh, like two days' notice, and he was at, literally at certain points crawling around the, the cage looking for takedowns. So very weird fight. Um, in general, I, I think that um, Profilek, is sort of um, just a guy who isn't a, is a very willing, but not maybe not a very technical striker. He overextends a lot. He uh, leaves himself open to counter shots, and also he's very willing to be backed up and um, and let his opponent take control of their fight. And I really think that's going to help Taleb here. I think in his last fight uh, against Sean Strickland, we saw Taleb play play a, a, a counter game, which we don't really see him play that often. I think maybe he got uncomfortable when. Uh, when John Strickland decided to start throwing combinations and uh, that, that led to the beginning of the end. I think that Nordin um, Taleb is going to be able to dictate terms here. Um, I think he's going to be able to back Profilek up um, and kind of do whatever he wants on the feet. Um, and we've seen him like to grapple, even though he probably shouldn't in most cases. Um, this would be a time where it might be good for him to do so because Profilek has shown um, – uh, a susceptibility to take down, and I think also has two sub losses on that record. So that's something that I need to look forward to here. Um, my only concern is that, you know, Taleb isn't really that much of a finisher. Um, more, more finishes in his recent wins. I think he, he finished Robert, right? And did, did he? No, he didn't finish Oliver in camp, but he did beat him pretty soundly. Um, so that's my only concern. But yeah, the pick is uh, Nordin Taleb. All right. Let's talk about Ayman Zahabi, 9,000. Taking on Vince Morales at 7,200. Sahabi minus 150. Morales plus 140. I've heard a lot of people talking up Vince Morales and doubting Ayman Zahabi. Chris, which side are you on? Yeah, uh, well, I do think there's a lot to like about Morales. I, he's, a, he's a really sharp counterpuncher that has a lot of power. Um, so so right away, uh, we like him uh, for that. Um, my pro your problem is, you know, if you're going to be a counterfighter, I'd much rather you be a pressure counterfighter. He's he's more of a counterfighter who will let you back him up and and look for his, his strikes that way, um, which which is not my favorite thing. But uh, you know, as as I said, a lot of power. Zahabi is one of these guys who looks to be very very toolsy. Uh, hasn't really got it done yet. I I thought he was winning that fight against um, oh, who was it? Uh, Ricardo Hamos before the this spinning back elbow got him and knocked him out. Um, he can he can do basically everything. He can wrestle a little bit. He's a good striker. He's a good counter puncher. Uh, what I think is gonna is gonna be the controlling factor for him here is, as I said, um, Morales uh, likes to back himself up, and Zahabi is good at pressuring and also good at keeping the range. So I think he's just gonna um, have have a have a decent little decision where he um, where he controls the fight that way. We've also seen, uh, you know, on the contender series, we saw Morales, you know, get outworked on the ground and uh, get subbed. I, I don't think it's impossible that Sahabi does that. Again, it's a matter of pricing because we've never seen uh, – we, well, he only won once, but we haven't seen Sahabi uh, finish in the UFC. But I, I, I do like Morales as a fighter. I just don't think he does quite enough. So my pick has to be Sahabi here. Joe. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know the, the backstory here. Um, Faraz Zahabi's brother. Um, you know, apparently a beast in the gym, not impressed with this fight IQ. I mean, he only got caught by the, you know, the 5,000 spinning back fist that was thrown by Ramos. Um, you know, that is not a good looking loss. I guess he took some time off. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if this is a, is supposed to be a layup or not for him. Um, I'm not, I'm going to have pretty low ownership in this fight altogether, but I'm certainly going to have less ownership, um, you know, in Zahabi at his price point. There's so much more, there's so much better, so many better options available, both above and below him in price. So if, I, 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 I guess I'll pick, pick an upset here, Morales, um, you know, to upset, but it's not a strong pick. 
All right, let's go to what should be a strong pick, and I'm going to tell you both. Let's not overanalyze. Macy Kiasen, 9,400 taking on Sarah Maras at 6,800. Kiasen, minus 750. Maras, plus 600. Here's your breakdown. Macy's going to smash Sarah. Sarah's path to victory is pulling guard and catching an armbar and Macy being stupid. And Macy, the worry is, does she get the quick finish to score a lot of points? If anybody wants to add anything, uh, we'll start with you, Joe. Got, got yeah, I mean, my only, my only concern is that she, she did have a bit of an issue making weight. Um, she yeah. needed to take the second hour. Um, you know, past precedent has shown that that is generally not a reason to uh, change exposure or back off a fighter. Um, but, you know, it is worth noting that um, she did not make weight first time. She, she got that extra hour that they allow up in Canada, and she did end up making weight after that. Um, probably better at 145, like her camp at Fortis. Um, so, you know, Cheesecake is a Canadian fighter. Um, has not what I has what I would call a a submitter's chance, I suppose. Um, she can perhaps, you know, throw up a tricky sub. Um, but I do think that Macy should smash her. Best inside the distance prop on the card. Um, pretty much a cash game lock. Um, GPPs, it really depends on, you know, how quickly she can get the finish at 9.4K. You know, if you're looking for 11 or 12X, which is what you need for a, a GPP, you're really going to need, um, you know, a knockdown and a relatively early finish. So, um, you know, just take that into consideration, um, you know, when you're making lineups. But I'm picking, obviously, uh, Chieson to win. Chris. Yeah, um, as much as I love arguing with you guys, uh, there's not much to argue here. Uh, unfortunately, um, whereas, you know, her, her stand up is she keeps her chin way out there. I expect Chason can knock it off, even if she can't. Um, Mares, um, is a, is a, she needs to get takedowns as you alluded, or she needs it to the ground as you alluded. Um, but she can get out scrambled. We've seen that before. I expect Chason will probably do that. I think she gets a finish one way or the other here. And I actually think she's pretty safe. Maybe not for that 11 to 12 X, but I mean, you know, We've talked about it before, kind of. I kind of, I think that's contextual. I think it depends on the card. Um, so I think that I think uh, she can get ninety-five to one hundred pretty comfortably, and and I and I and I think that's probably fine. All right, let's talk about Andrew Alderte Sanchez, eighty-seven hundred, taking on Mark Andre Barrio. Just my guess on that one, seventy-five hundred. From now on, I'm just going to call it Mark Andre. He's plus one sixty as a dog. Andrew Sanchez minus 170. I like Andrew Sanchez's game everywhere. If only the damn cardio would hold up. It held up last time against Marcus Perez. Mark Andre does hit hard, but he can be taken down. I really like Sanchez in this fight as the week has gone on. Chris, you with me? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, you just outlined the main concern, which is uh the gas tank. But um, you know, the opponent here at Baralt is is just sort of a wild man um he likes to just charge at you and throw hooks and lean up against the cage and break you which is kind of you know to, if we're being honest if we're concerned about a gas tank he's the guy that could wear on you and sort of you know have you constantly backing up have you constantly um fighting against the fence so he could have tripped the gas tank but what I, what i like about andrew sanchez here is i think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to hit um reactive takedowns because we're all pretty much just charges after you and as long as he can get some space, I think he should be able to get this fight to the ground um, pretty quickly. I, I do think that, um, you know, again, it's, it's another one of these fighters who I do think has, has the capacity and the potential to overwhelm Sanchez. I don't think it's impossible. And um, if you have a guy, who, as we do in Sanchez, who has a, a sort of questionable gas tank, that has to be taken into concern. So I wouldn't write Peralt off completely, but I do think – there are enough holes in this game that Andrew Sanchez should be able to exploit and get a victory here if he fights the right fight. Joe? Yeah, so I really like, uh, even though the camp has not been on a great run of late, I do like the fact that um, Sanchez did his camp at TriStar. Um, you know, I, I think that only is going to benefit him. Uh, to your point, that was a really good win against Perez, but the one thing that was absent in that victory was takedowns, which is, is really how Sanchez has made his living um, in the past. And that was a little, that's a little concerning 
from a DraftKings perspective because he only scored like 67 points and, you know, that's not going to get it done. Um, so uh, we need him to get back to his takedown roots um, and score. And yeah, if he, if his striking is improved and um, like, like he believes it to be and, and he can kind of work that with his takedowns, he can score well. Um, otherwise, tread very cautiously because at his price point, um, which I believe is what, 8.7, um, 67 points is not going to cut it. So um, tread carefully, but I do like Sanchez. I think he may be a better bet than a DraftKings play. All right, let's go on to Walt Harris at, of course, my prices went away here. Walt Harris is 8,900, taking on Sergey Spivak at 7,300. Harris minus 170. Spivak is plus 160. I'm going to jump here in real quick. Guys, I get we know nothing about Spivak, and I'll let you guys talk about all the cans he's crushed because I know that's that's the one everybody's talking about. I just want to point out Walt Harris is 4-6 and six in the UFC, and his four wins – Joe could beat half of them, I think. I don't know about that. It's but... Chase, Chase Sherman. You, you can't beat Chase Sherman? Uh, probably yeah. not. <laughs> Cody Cody East. Wow. Uh, oh, God. And the other two are gone. God, it's Chase Sherman, Cody East. Oh. You can't beat Daniel Spitz. Who's the other one? Uh, you know, the other one, never mind. Three of them. And okay. he, had, he had the split decision against Arlovsky. Yeah. Which right. which I have to give him. I'm not saying Spivak's a world beater. I just don't think Harris is. I think Spivak is live. I think this is an interesting fight for GPPs because either Sergey gets exposed or maybe he's decent. I know he's beat up cans, but we don't know for sure he's bad. It reminds me not in turn it reminds me of when Prajeris burned everybody because we didn't know anything about his 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 opponent. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, don't go nuts on Walt Harris. Please, for my sake, don't go nuts on Walt Harris because he's low volume as it is. Okay, I got that out of the way. Chris, start us off. Yeah, you know, coming into that uh, that Daniel Spitz fight, I really thought Walt Harris was turning a corner. Um, it turns out because he started off, and, and that was that was the main uh, that was the main you know a criticism of him. He dropped a um, he dropped a decision to. Um, Oh, who was it? Uh, Russian grappler heavyweight who we just saw. Olenek? No, 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 no. Um, he just fought. Um, I can't think of it. Um, I, I, I'll look and, and vamp and keep going. Anyway, I thought he was turning the corner, um, but it turns out he's just as lo as low volume as ever. Um, he he did look good in that fight against um, against uh, Chase Sherman. Uh, we, we put together a nice combo to knock him out, but. Um, the Spitz fight where he basically could have beat him whenever he wanted. I think that was the end of the second round. And then he goes to that horrible split decision with Arlovsky where, I mean, he literally, I mean, he would have thought he won an Olympic gold medal when he heard the decision if, if he didn't know what was going on. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the opponent here is is weird. As you say, he crushes uh, crushes uh, cans. Uh, a guy, uh, Evo Cuck, uh, C-U-K, who we've seen – We've seen actually fight some up and comers coming into the UFC before. I guess he's kind of like the, um, I guess he's kind of like the, um, you know, regional gatekeeper there. But um, he's gonna he's gonna try to uh, smother and sort of wear on Harris and make this fight dirty, take it to the clinch and and sort of mess him around in there. Maybe go for some takedowns. I just can't rely on Walt Harris being active. Now we've seen Walt Harris. Work some of his own wrestling um, into into his game of late. Some of his own grappling uh, uh, had Mark Godbeard in uh, a full mount in that fight before the disqualification. So you know, I, I, I sort of this is sort of a long-winded way. Um, and what else is new in my case of echoing Sean Sean's point of um, you know we really don't know too much about it. I I think of course Walt Harris can get the can get the um, can get the knockout. I think we should say, and maybe Joe was about to say this, um, that while Harris is coming off a of USADA suspension, we don't we don't learn about those now until they're over. So um, that's why he got pulled from the Olenek fight, I'm guessing, and now he's back. So maybe he wants to come out and and you know establish himself to steal a little bit of Joe's narrative thunder. But you know, I, I would take a shot on on the dog here just because you know if he can make it dirty and tire him out, who knows? So um, 
you know, heavyweight fight, all the caveats apply. I guess the pick is Harris, but you know, I'm, I'm up in the air. And and before Joe Joe craps on on the, some of the cans Spivak has fought. Uh, Spivak his, his last win was over Travis Fulton, who yeah he's got you know a few, few fights but three hundred but 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 percentage wise he is he is a better UFC record than Walt Harris. He's one and one in the UFC. Walt Harris is four and six. There you so, go. I mean Spivak's a lock, right? Right, Joe. No. Um, By the so way, anyway, uh, the average age of Spivak's last three opponents is 41.6. Um, you know, he has not made it out of the first round. He doesn't know how to throw a punch. Um, yeah, this is a, a ceiling floor type of play. Harris has got an extremely high ceiling here at his price point. Um, obviously, his floor could be a low output uh, decision, although... Um, the 23-year-old Ukrainian fighter has never made it out of the first round. Um, I like Harris here quite a bit. I'm, I'm not sure about this matchmaking. 35 is – I'm not making a big deal out of the age difference. I mean, 35 is not as old for a heavyweight as it is for, um, you know, a speed fighter in a lower weight class. So um, I like Harris quite a bit here. But, again, this is, like, purely a GPP play. All right, let's go on to Mirab Divalishvili, 8,600, taking on Brad Katona at 7,600. Divalishvili, minus 175. Katona, plus 165. Divalishvili, 22 takedowns in three UFC fights. He could be 3-0. and He is 1-2. Odd stoppage against um, Ricky Simone. Robbed against Frankie Signs. Scores well. Katona has been susceptible to the takedown, but he's able to get back up. My issue is just the pace that, that Devalishvili is going to push here. Katona is sneaky to the ground. I'll take Devalishvili. He is also going to be the most popular fighter on the card. So, uh, Joe, start us off. Okay, so 22 takedowns, zero reversals, and four advances. Um, his one advantage over Katona is his ability to get takedowns. I see Katona better everywhere else including fight IQ. Um, look at his I, fight IQ. You think he's... I, I look at the guys that Katona has beaten on tough that are better than than the one win that uh, Marab has got against against Tarion Ware as a minus 550 favorite. In every fight, Marab has been a favorite. Every fight, including this one. Um, I think this is a potential, uh, as much as I... Don't go looking for this. I could see this as a potential stack fight in cash. I like it much better than the main event as a stack fight. Um, I think I made that point pretty clearly. Um, uh, I could see him scoring in a loss, which is why you're likely correct in how highly owned he's going to be. But um, I am picking Katona for the win here. Wow. Joe is picking a guy from SBG Ireland. I know. Some, someone pinched me. Chris, what do you got? Yeah. Um... I, I kind of, you know, I don't I don't think it's that fair to, um, I mean, it's factually correct, but I don't think it's that fair to pejoratively be like, oh, he's got one win, because the other two fights were really close, and one of them was weird, and I mean, he could easily be 3-0, and uh, just in all fairness, but um, I, I, I think, I think Marab is just, is just, he's like, uh, we talk about Cole Smith as like a dedicated wrestler who I don't think is very good at wrestling. Uh, but we know that Dizvalish Philly is very good at wrestling, and uh, we know he's not going to stop. I mean, he is he is a cardio demon. Like I've never seen anybody like this guy. Like in 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 his last fight, I, I was I was sure, and in that Simone fight too, I was sure he was going to get tired. He just never seems to. He just keeps going. And um, one of the things that I don't really like about Katona in this fight is he tends to throw a lot of low kicks. I think those can get converted for takedowns. Um, Thing about Katona, I like him on the feet. I like his in and out movement. He could um, stuff some takedowns that way, but um, you know, Matt Lopez was able to get him to the ground. I, I don't really think Devashvili is going to have that much of a problem. Now, having said that, uh, Katona is probably going to give him as much um, threat as he's ever had off his back. So we'll have to see if he, how he responds. But um, overall, I just think this is going to be. I mean, as much as we can say it about a guy with three fights. I think this is going to be a typical uh, Dishvalish Vili fight where he's just going to rinse and repeat takedowns, and I, I know he's going to be highly owned, but I don't think it can be helped here because I think Atona is susceptible, and uh, and I think it's going to happen here. So uh, Dishvalish Vili for the win. 
All right, let's go with Shane Burgos, AV800, taking on Cub Swanson at 7,400. Burgos, the favorite, minus 150. Swanson, plus 140. A little bit of odds value, I think, for 7,400. Um, Burgos, last time out, red flag. I was all over Burgos. He got knocked down by Kurt Hollibaugh, then caught an on bar. Cub Swanson has lost three straight. He's been getting submitted, but he was dropped last fight by a jab, but it was by... It was from Hinato Maikano, who does hit very hard. I know Burgos also hits hard. So it's people are starting to, to question Cubs' durability. I will say the only man to finish Cubs Swanson in the UFC was Jose Aldo, or the nod to finish, to knock out. To knock out, he gets subbed quite a bit. Um, to knock out, Cubs Swanson was Jose Aldo back in 2009. We've And Burgos... Hands down is hittable. I think this is going to be a war. I like this fight a ton for GPPs. I will have both sides. I Right now, leaning Cub Swanson, just the unorthodox striker against the orthodox, and being dropped by Kurt Holloway is a red flag for me. Um, but again, I'll be overexposed to this fight as a whole personally. Uh, Chris, who you got? Yeah, that Kurt Holloway fight made me cry because there was a big contention on this show and everywhere of well, who was better and who had more power. And then Hollywood drops him with the first punch, but then you guys escape with the stupid submission. So it made me cry, but we're over it. Um, are you? Are you over it? <laughs> not really, but uh, you know, I, I have a good poker face. But um, I I like Cub Swanson here. I, I don't. I it's not that I hate Shane Burgos. I like a lot of things about what he does. He's relentless. He does good body work. Um, as you said though, Sean, he's very hittable, and I don't see him as much of a counter puncher. So I think that when um, when um, Cub comes in with that unorthodox striking and when he darts into the pocket, I think he's going to connect. Um, I, I don't think that um, the black belt Cub Swanson is going to be is going to be um, you know we're, we're going to have to worry about any bullshit arm bars. His black, belt, his black belt is garbage. I'm not. I'm it's, not worried about. Absolutely, could get subbed. I'm not worried about uh, arm bars from the bottom by Shane Burgos. I'm just not worried about it. Um, if I'm wrong, I, God, God help me, but I'm just not worried about it. Um, I, I, um, a Cub can wrestle a little bit as well if he needs to. Um, I don't really think he'll need to. I think, um, you know, I mean, he, he tends, he tends to get, he tends to get hit, but that, that's not to say he doesn't have any head movement. Um, Shane Burgos gets hit, uh, quite a bit more, as you might imagine. I just think that, um, as you alluded, Sean, uh, I think that, um, I think that, uh, Cub is really tough, and I think that's going to pay dividends here. And I think eventually he's going to find the big shot to put uh, to put Burgos down. And so I see a finish, and I'm picking Cub Swanson, but there's going to be a lot of volume here. There's going to be a lot of um, leather exchange, and it's going to be high scoring. So, you know, both sides and yada, yada, yada. The one, the one thing about the toughness is I will say that he did not look good against Hanato Moicano. He looked about a million years old. And if he looks that bad standing in the cage, I'm going to be a little concerned. But I, I'm, I'm willing to, to ride or die because I'll be hedged. Joe? Cub Swanson gets 90000 in show money. Um, obviously, in his last, you know, in, at least in his last fight, um, he was good at not taking damage. Moicano barely touched him. And, and he dropped. I mean, that was, at best, a jab and a light jab at that that dropped him. I don't so know if I agree with that. If that says anything about Cub Swanson, um, I love Burgos here. I mean, neither one of these guys back up. Um, I just think that Burgos has got a greater desire at this point in his career uh, to win, where Cub Swanson has got other things going on in his life. Um, I believe he's a co-owner of a gym, a UFC gym. Um, avoiding taking damage when you get 90,000 in show money, um, is, is his main goal. Um, so I like Burgos here a lot. Um, I will have exposure to both sides of this fight in mass entry, but, um, I really do like Burgos a fair amount here. All right, let's go to the co-main event. We have Derek Brunson at 8,200 taking on Elias, the Spartan Theodoru. Theodoro now the favorite, minus 110. Bruns come back on Brunson is plus 100. So you have two very different narratives on this fight. And this is one I've talked about with a bunch of different people. And I want to give both sides because you're going to hear and have heard probably Elias is always, always goes always goes to a decision, scores terrible for DraftKings, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that is 100% true. But if you look at the other side, 
You have to take into it. If you're going to do that for Elias, you have to take that into account on Brunson's side. Ten, nine of his last ten fights have ended in the first round. The only exception was Anderson Silva, where he had a staring match and wasn't aggressive. He's going to be aggressive here. I think someone's going out. It's possible Elias gets a decision. I just don't think Brunson's going to let that happen. I just, if Elias is ever going to score well, it's now. Now, Brunson could absolutely catch him and knock him out in the first round, and that would be typical Brunson. It's just this is, if you're ever going to roster Elias, this is probably the time to do so. I won't be going crazy, but I think he's live. Joe. Yeah, so um, Theodoro, you know, I think you said it, you know, points fighter. Tough guy. Um, did get dropped by Eric Anders. Um, you know, the narrative on this fight is that Theodoro called out Brunson, probably thinking it was going to be an easy fight um, based on Brunson's um, lack of uh, fight IQ. Um, what I like is that Brunson has ditched his home camp and, uh, you know, is training with some real killers, Luke Rockhold, among others. Um, you know, for this fight, obviously, um, if he's got any pride, um, you know, you want to show up ready when you get when you specifically got got called out here. Um, I will have low exposure to uh, Theodoro. I think Brunson is another one of the, and I, I said it before, um, you know, a high ceiling, uh, low floor GPP type play. Um, you know, so I can certainly see using him in that respect. Um, I'm going to pick Brunson for the win here, but it's not a super confident pick. Um, and I will have more Brunson exposure than Theodoro exposure just because I don't see Theodoro knocking him out, and I don't see how he scores well, um, you know, in a decision. Brunson running forward. It could happen. Chris? Yeah, yeah um, you know, I, I try not to get into, like, or try to get into fighters' heads because, you know, I just don't think, you know, we have enough information to accurately deduce what's going on with them, but – in the case of Brunson, I think we've seen enough of him now where, like, he fights like he doesn't like fighting. He he fights like he wants to get in there, get it over with as quickly as possible, no matter what happens. Like that, um, you know, that style bender fight where he was just charging forward, going for these really bad takedowns, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. It looked like he wanted to get in and get out as quickly as he could. Um, we saw that. It, was, it doesn't seem like that long ago now where I think it was a five fight Um first round finish streak that he had going on before Whitaker stopped him. Um, so he basically fights the same way every time. The reason I like him here is one, because I, I don't care how, how up you leave your chin. I don't think Theodoro can hurt you. And two is um, I think we've seen Theodoro because in his last couple fights against uh, wrestlers or guys who could even pressure that aren't necessarily wrestlers like uh, Eric Anders, we've seen him a get tired where we really haven't in the past. And we've seen him um, more susceptible to takedowns. Um, maybe not control so much, but, you know, he's been taken off his feet in in, in um, his last couple, especially um, the fight against, uh, oh, who was it, Holtzman? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, um, and especially the getting tired part, which I think is going to be, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for a guy to pressure and, um, you know, be in your face and not let you rest, I mean, uh, Brunson's your guy. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, Sean. I guess. I mean, like, if if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna use your big brain on this one, I I can see how you can put it together. Where like, okay, well, he rushes in, he gets fight his fights over quickly, one way or the other. But I I just can't see Theodore doing it. Maybe 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 I'm wrong, and maybe it's um, in a situation where Brunson is just gonna fly by the seat of his pants again and leave himself open. But eight thousand is just too much for me. I mean, if it was like seventy two. Or something I could see it, but I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to roster much at eight thousand. If he does get that finish, because um, you know he rushes in with his chin up, you know Sean's going to be sipping margaritas somewhere, and we'll all be crying. But uh, I, I will be I, I'll be on vacation the next day, so you know that's, vacation Sunday. But I'm not I'm not saying go crazy on Elias. I no, just, I know, I know. I just people are full fading. I'm going to mix in 15 ish percent. I, in all in all fairness, I'm gonna be close to a full fade. Maybe I'll have like one or two, just because I, I don't want your your voice in my head if he does finish saying oh I. God, I'll be right. I'll be right on Twitter if you full fade. I, oh, I know, but uh, but so yeah. So my pick is Brunson. I I think he's gonna he's gonna tire him out and get this done. But uh, yeah, what Sean said about uh, the other thing. All right, main event time. 
Al Ayakinta, 8,400, taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone at 7,800. Ayakinta is still a favorite. Did this line flip and flip back? I thought it had flipped. Minus 110, Cowboy Cerrone plus 100. Chris, how do you have our main event? Yeah, so the interesting thing about um, Donald Cerrone is he's always been susceptible to pressure. Now, in the last two fights, he's done interesting things um, to alleviate the forward pressure, fighting two very forward pressure fighters. In the Mike Perry fight, he would just clinch up um, intermittently and, and sort of break the rhythm. In the Alex Hernandez fight, he noticed, I guess, that Alex Hernandez was overextending and he would fire those knees up the middle, which were incredibly effective. So I give him credit that um, this late in his career, you always like to see that. Like Dustin Poirier is another guy. You always like to see guys who, you know, have veterans who have these flaws and they take steps to fix them. Um, the reason I don't think it matters here is because I think that Cerrone, uh, Cerrone I think that uh, Iaquinta is the smartest pressure fighter that he's fought in a long time. Um, Iaquinta is 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 smart to a fault um, with his pressure. Uh, in the Kevin Lee fight, when he was landing big shots in the third round, a lot of people thought he should have just been going all out for the finish, but he doesn't. He's patient, and um, he's very good at cutting off the cage, and he's good at smothering. He throws he throws uh, good combinations. He's got he's got a lot of power. He is susceptible to takedowns, but um, also very also very tough to get submitted and. Um, Cerrone hasn't been shown himself. I mean, he can obviously get subs. We just saw it. He hasn't shown himself to be the best top uh, top control grappler in his recent fights. He couldn't hold down um, couldn't hold down Robbie Lawler. Couldn't hold down Darren Till. So um, I think that um, I think that Al will probably be able to get back to his feet. And I think that um, Al's pressure is different and fundamentally better than um, the pressure fighters that he's beaten recently. So I have to go with Ally Quinta for the stoppage. Joe. Yeah, so Cerrone has not fought at lightweight uh, since his loss to uh, RDA in 2015. Um, rumor has it this was a less than enjoyable cut. Um, he can be hurt to the body. Um, I have been super impressed with Iaquinta, I mean, uh, people are are shitting all over the fact that he, you know, oh, wow. I mean, you're giving him way too much credit for lasting five rounds with Khabib. Not too many people last five rounds with Khabib. Um, I, I give him a lot of props, especially considering he was training for Paul Felder, which is a completely different style matchup. Um, very impressed against Kevin Lee. I had Kevin Lee in that fight. Um, when he broke the body lock, you could just see the steam go out of Kevin Lee. Um, there, uh, Iaquinta, um, seems to have a renewed vigor for fighting. You hear less talk about real estate and retirement than you have in the past. Um, I like Al a fair amount in this fight. I would certainly at the price point and at the perceived line value have shares of Cerrone and mass entry, but, um, my pick is going to be Al raging Al Iaquinta. Uh, just, just, so you know, didn't the last fight. No, we're talking in, in chat. Alex Hernandez, yeah, that fight was at 155. Are you sure? I'm if what he had a really bad cut. You may be man, right. Man for two seconds, I'll look it up. Uh, I'm, I'm on it right now. I'm on topology. Okay. I, I will um, say, as, as they look it out, up, I will say I am leaning towards uh, Cowboy. Yes, I'm, you are correct. It's 155. I'm leaning towards Cowboy. I'll, I'll have shares of both sides. I like the cheaper guy here. When Cowboy wins, he scores high. I I just think I think he's got enough weapons here for Ayakinta. People seem to forget about Cowboy's ground game. I like the knees he threw last fight. Head kick's always dangerous. Close fight, I'm not super confident, but I'm I'm leaning more towards Cowboy. And for that reason, the way I the way I play, I don't hedge a ton. And I'm already doing that in Burgos. And um Swanson, sure. so I'm more likely to pick one side here. And for me, it's the Cowboys side, but close fight. All right, guys, let's get to hot takes. Anybody got a hot take queued up for UFC Ottawa? Yeah, well, well I got I'm one. Here, oh, do you want to go, Chris? Because I, yeah. I, and yeah. I okay, so I'm going to give a play because my my last last week's hot take was Glover by uh, submission. Um, you know, I did uh, give. Uh, Brett Apley for his premium content, a 
um, a play which was to bet both Glover by uh, by submission and Glava by TKO, um, which I felt presented an interesting arb. Um, you know, so obviously by default that hit as well. So I'm going to give a parlay here. Um, I'm going to give a three fighter parlay that wow. that plays pretty that pays pretty significant odds. Um, so don't go crazy with it. I think I put uh, 14 bucks on it or something, and it's going to pay over 200. Um, the parlay is this: it is uh, uh, 14 for 200, something like that. Yeah, it's a three fighter parlay. So, but but you got to listen to it. So it's it's um, it's it's one Adams by knockout submission or DQ. It's Walt Harris by knockout submission or DQ, and it's Ally Akinta by knockout submission or DQ. So uh, that is my parlay. Um, it, it will, like I said, for my like fourteen dollar and change wager, it's paying over two hundred. So uh, you know, give it a play. I think that last part is going to be what what gets you here. Um, I like it, uh, Chris. Yeah. Well, as you know, um, I give the people what they want, and uh, it looks like <laughs> it looks like that you guys have already selected my hot take for me. Which is Arjun Buller beats one Adams by submission. Okay, I'm looking at chat here. I'm go what I guess you know. We'll go with. Well, I want to drop them right away. We'll go with Mo Screen. Kyle Propolex second round TKO. Yeah. He goes Leb throws single strikes and could see Kyle catching a kick to the body and landing a straight right. Nice. I mean, it's an event. I have seen Taleb finish in his last two fights. So, I mean, it's a hot take, so it's not the most insane thing I've heard with uh, Taleb's recent chin issues. I will say for my hot take, let's go with... Uh, I should have been thinking here. Eli, yeah, yeah, why not? Elias Theodoro by knockout. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's a natural one for you, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, look, uh, Sean, I want to I give a shout-out to our super fan. John Church. And and it's like really refreshing because, you know, again, I, I kind of know how much you play and I'm pretty transparent about how much I play. And I don't really know how much Chris plays on DraftKings, but you know, here's a guy, John Church. He listens to all our podcasts, um, gets really excited, you know, about DraftKings. Um, you know, he was, I don't know what his total investment was, but I think he only played the quarter arcade last week and he may have only put one entry in. He got an 80 to one return on his money. Yeah, uh, and he was so excited. And, you know, that is so refreshing. I mean, you know, like, I'm so jaded. I don't know if I could actually watch fights without having something, you know, where I'm going to feel pain one if I lose um, and I'm going to really be happy if I win. So, you know, shout out to John Church. Like, really congrats on your ROI. It was a really, really impressive win, um, you know, in the quarter arcade, getting that 80 to one return on your investment. So, um, you know, I wish there were more players like that and I wish I could get excited, <laughs> um, you know, without having a lot on the line. I just can't, it's not in my DNA, but, uh, props and shout out to, uh, our super fan, John church. Thank you, John. All right, guys, make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free. Check out all their premium content for 10 days. No credit card required. Give us all a follow on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun Tzu. Like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and iTunes. Shout out once again to everyone in chat. Um, I was going to read names, and I you know, I start off with see Eric Raymond. All right. Dr. Van Nostrand. All right. And then I get mm-hmm. to Yandalal Rasia, who if I screw that up, I am really, really sorry. I did my best. Mo Screen, you've been in here. Vince Roadrunner, kind of scroll real Most quick. I screen, to... Good luck with what. Good luck with your content, buddy. I, I watched yeah. some of it. I think Ooh. you're on the right track. I'm trying to scroll. If I missed anybody, I wanted to give one or two more. But Dave LB, let's see if I can find one more. That's that's pretty much the normal crews. A few more in here. If I missed you, jump in next week. And you know, I think I'll start giving some some shout outs. And John Owen. So thank you guys. Much appreciated. Love the hot takes. Good luck if anybody else wants to do um, content like um, most scream. I like the trailer he put out for something else. I won't, I don't want to plug it because it's a little ridiculous. But um, yeah, go give most scream a follow. All right, guys. Um, any last thoughts for UFC 
Ottawa, oh, I did want to just because you, you jumped in, no big deal. I want to say, even though that is my hot take, I'm still playing more Derek Brunson. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to be clear. Um, no hot takes for Ottawa, but we, we have a really good card next week in, in Brazil. Um, you know, we got a title fight, uh, Rosnambi Yunus versus uh, Jessica Andraj. Um, we also have uh, Volkanovski versus Aldo. It looks like a pretty solid card. Now, is uh, that is that for sure still on? Because I know that Aldo had like an, an infection. Oh, I, I did not hear that. I yes. don't know. I, I wasn't sure what the... Um, oh, that would diminish the card for sure. If yeah, I, I wasn't sure where they left that. I think the fight was still on, but I wasn't sure where they left that. Oh, okay. Well, okay. one way... We'll be uh, these guys will be back to break down UFC two thirty seven. I will be on vacation next week. I will be in Disney World, but I will be on Twitter. And you know what? I'm going to the podcast I do. I'm going to send these guys. I'll at least give my hot take. Sounds good. I will send you guys a hot take, and we'll see who fills in for me next week. And we'll be in touch, guys. Thanks as always, uh, listeners, viewers. Thank you. Good luck in your contest. Sounds good.